Good morning, Soma. Um, my name is Adam Ringo. I am one of the elders here at Soma Midtown, and it is a, it's a pleasure to be with you. I, may, many of you may not know who I am, um, but I have been playing a role behind the scenes for quite some time and am so grateful uh, to, to be here with you, to, to be bringing the word to you today, and, and I hope and I trust the Spirit is with me and is with us as we continue our series um, here in Psalms. I hope you've enjoyed this, this series. Um, it's been short. It's been a handful of weeks here, um, but it's been, it's been amazing for me. It's been good for my soul, and I, and I trust that it has been for you. If you haven't already, um, please take the next several weeks, the next month, and, and dig into the Psalms. Read the Psalms from cover to cover. 150 poems really teaching us how to pray. Psalms is the prayer book of the Bible and the place to learn about prayer. Every single possible human condition, situation, and emotion is described and expressed in the Psalms. So I urge you to work through the Psalms over the next month so that you will have a better grasp on the Psalms and and ultimately that the Psalms will have a better grasp on you stirring affection. And that's my prayer, is that, that we will learn to love um, the Father more greatly through reading and meditating on the Psalms. Think about it. We have the very words in Psalms that Jesus himself used to sing, praise and anguish over, to worship in the synagogue, and to meditate on as he lived a life of praise. It is, it is our direct view into Jesus' devotional life. And, and that's my hope for myself, for you, is that we, we use these psalms to learn more about Jesus and his life. But also getting personal for a minute. Um, <laughs> uh, my, my relationship um, with, with the Father has been strained and suffered because I have not been very good at praising um, I have treated my relationship with God more transactional, and therefore I've questioned when he doesn't give me what I, what I need and what I want, why should I praise? What do I, what do I have to praise, um, and, and how do I praise him? And therefore my intimacy with God, the Spirit, the Son, and my friendship with the triune God has suffered. So in light of that, and, and, and I've told you that this has been fantastic for me, um, I want to take us uh, to a psalm where it, it really is about praise, Psalm 145. Um, it's my, it's our song of praise and exaltation this morning. That's my hope. Um, may it stir great affection for all of us. Psalm 145 really sets the stage for 146 through 150, which are the concluding praise psalms, the last several books of, of psalms here. And, and they're intended to... Um, just generate affection and, and, and praise the Father with, uh, with great vocabulary and, and great words. Um, so these are particularly devoted to praise, and, and I need that, and I think we need that. So please, praise, uh, please um, pray this with me as we read it here. Um, receive it. Open up your hands, if you will, with me as, as, as I read Psalm 145, and, and truly just receive it with humility. And, and also expect that God's going to be there with you um, as we're sitting here with our, with our palms open in receipt. So Psalm 145, I'm going to read the whole thing. 
I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Only the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. I shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and, sing aloud, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is, is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and, and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of, the, of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. And let the flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, um, we, uh, we ask that you continue to reveal yourself through your word. We ask that we can grow an understanding of your word and that that understanding will lead to love. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to I wanna really divide the rest of our time in, in just three areas. Um, and, and hopefully this provides a framework for why we praise, um, as these words uh, are teaching us how and what to praise. So, three things. One, he made us to praise. Two, he sustains our praise. And three, he deserves our praise. One, he made us to praise. Two, he sustains our praise. And three, he deserves our praise. First, he made us to praise. I think we all grasp this one. Um, and, and we've gotten a healthy dose of it here at, at Soma. It's pretty simple. Why do we understand that uh, cognitively that he made us to praise? Because we praise. And, and we love to, to be praised. It's, it's inherent in us um, as, as human beings in this created body. We praise things um, we devote time to, things we enjoy, uh, things that impress us, um, things that move us to unimaginable emotion. Uh, I can give us a lot of illustrations. I can talk about sports. I could talk about The Bachelor, which I know a lot of people are still really engaged in for the 34th season, potentially. But more importantly, I, I want to take something a little broader, maybe, uh, maybe theater. Um, theater has been big in our household the last several weeks as Hamilton came out on, on Disney Plus um, on July 3rd. Sam and I watched it for the first time, and it is, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant work of art that creatively tells a story through spoken word. The story of Alexander Hamilton and our founding fathers. 
The writing's genius. The, the performance is, is magical. Um, and I've literally been judging every person who, <laughs> who, doesn't, uh, who doesn't either take the time to watch it or marvel at it with me. Um, it's, it is. It's arguably the best theater production in, in our time. Now, you can believe that or, or not believe that, but I've been praising it. And it's been so natural for me to praise it because I've, I've loved it. My wife has loved it. My kids sing it. Um, so we were most certainly uh, made to praise. But what I find funny and disturbing a little bit, I guess, is, is, for, is that I so easily worship this creation um, in, in Hamilton specifically, but I, but I struggle to worship the creator. So we, we worship creation, but we, we struggle to actually look through that and, and, and worship the actual creator, the creator that is powerful enough to create things that we can worship, that we do praise, and loving enough to forgive us for um, when we exalt them above him. Generally, generally, that manifests itself in two ways. One, we, we, turn, we turn outward, which we talked a little bit about. We turn, or we turn inward. We look to ourselves. We praise ourselves. First, turning outward. It doesn't have to be Hamilton in theater. It could be a, a armchair quarterback fantasizing over his, his football team, um, his favorite football team. It could be a grandparent um, praising the accomplishments of their children. It could be a mom praising the, the meal planning of an Instagram influencer. There's outwardly things that we constantly praise, but there's also, there's also inward things that we look to. And, and I think those are, those are more deceivingly subconscious um, and attractive. We, we get so caught up in emotions, our desires, our future, protecting our comfort, our self-image, um, what we look like to other people, and, and we leave zero room for praise. We forget to praise. Um, and so I que my question for you this morning is, is, do you get there? Have you gotten there? Do you look so much and think so much about yourself that you're, you, you cannot praise? Um, where you become so distracted that apathy and distance from God just occur. It's, uh, it's, I've been there, and um, it's a lifeless place uh, for our soul, and it can lead to to a dark place of temptation. So we are made to praise, and practicing praise really does feed our soul. Without it, our, our soul just kind of slowly dies. So understanding that we were made to praise is pretty natural for us. We do it all the time, whether it's, whether it's ourselves or whether it's something else. But there's more to that. There's more that the Bible says. The Bible says and it also instructs us that we are hardwired to be in daily awe of him. It simply shows us that we are to praise him. And it happens, it happens all over the place. It's on display. I want to read a handful of, of verses here where it is on display. Just the awe of who God is. Psalm 65, 8. They who dwell in the end of the earth stand in all of your signs. You make the dawn and the sunset shout for joy. Exodus 15, 11, who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praise, working wonders? Deuteronomy 10, 21, he is your praise and he is your God. Who has done these great and awesome things for which your eyes have seen? Isaiah 66, 2, for my hand 
made all these things. Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. Luke 5, and this is the last one, 26. They were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God, and they were filled with fear, saying, we have seen remarkable things today. This is a small set of scripture pointing to the reality that when we consider what God has truly done, we stand in awe. There is also biblical instruction right here in Psalm 145, uh, 1 through 3, where really the psalmist is, is, is uh, telling us to, uh, and summoning us to individual and corporate praise. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. That is a call for all of us to praise. Scripture is, is, is God speaking to us. And if we want to know that we were made to praise and learn how to praise, then we have to abide in the words of God in Scripture. If we want to praise the great things he has done, then we have to read about what he's done. Creation, salvation, redemption, restoration, the narrative of Scripture from, from the, the day God spoke the world into existence to the day he restores all things to its original perfection. Um, that, is, that, is, that is deserving of praise, and, and we, are, we have to meditate on this in order to, to fill our minds and hearts with words to praise. We will praise something, and it just, it's going to happen. Um, so let's make it God. Also, we know he made us to, pra- to praise because God desires a relationship with us. He created us in his likeness. He is in relationship with the Spirit and his Son, he models community in that way, and, and he wants a relationship. He gave his son to, to die for us so that, it, so that it's possible that we have a relationship with him. What do we do um, with someone we love and are in relationship with? That's a question. It's not the only thing that we do, but if it's your, your spouse, your kids, your parents, your dear friend, what do you do? You, you praise them. It's just, it comes out. It's, it's natural. And um, my wife and I were, uh, were on vacation last week staying with some friends. And, and the, our friends are Christina and Matt, and they live in Charleston. And this was the end of last week. And, and Christina's sister and brother-in-law were, were going to be there for a day. Um, the first day that we were actually there, we arrived Saturday. They, they were leaving Sunday, back, headed back to Mississippi. And uh, Christina, Sunday afternoon, took them to the airport. And she came back, and we had tons of kids there, um, several adults. And um, so when Christina took her sister and brother-in-law to the airport and, and comes back, uh, Matt and I chose to play golf, of course. Um, felt like it was the appropriate thing to do for us. And uh, we went and played golf, and, and we're doing that. And Christina got a call from her sister, and her sister said, hey, um, Flight's canceled, maintenance problems, going to miss it, need you to come pick us up. So my wife and I, Matt and I continue to play golf. My wife, Sam, um, said, you go, Christina, you pick up, you go pick up, pick them up and, and bring them back. And so Sam was left with five kids under five for two and a half, three hours in a home she's never been in and with multiple kids she's never met. And 
And uh, we get back that night, and as everyone's in the room praising her for the super mom that she was, and she came through in the moment, I sat silent. It wasn't purpose, but it was because I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, maybe I was thinking about golf or the work week that I had coming up. But I sat there, silent, didn't praise her. Later that night, she asked me, she said, um, why didn't you participate in praising me? And it wasn't because she was prideful or she needs the praise or even she expects the praise, but it was because the, the person that she desires most on this earth um, and desires intimacy most with and a relationship most with on this earth is me and that person chose not to praise her in the very moment that, that everyone else was praising her. See, it's a part of communicating in relationship. We praise as an expression of our impression. We praise the Father um, because we are in relationship with him and we can't help but express how he impresses us. When we read about him, he impresses us. When we're overwhelmed by his love and forgiveness and mercy, we're impressed with him. That type of praise cannot be concealed. We have to let that go. We have to speak it. We were made to praise. The second thing, first, we, he made us to praise. The second thing is, is he sustains our praise. Psalms 145, 1 through 2, two again, tell us that we are to bless him forever and ever. Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Psalms 104, 33, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. We are expected to praise him enthusiastically forever and ever and to praise him day in and day out. And I, I don't know about you, but that's daunting. If, if we pray that once um, or every once in a while and we come to this and we read it, we say, okay, okay Lord, I read it. I'm going to praise you every day. Done. No, that's just not how it, it, it can work. Um, it won't be sustained that way. Um, we're, we're being told here to do it, to do it forever and every day. And we need the Father to sustain that. So how do we live a life of praise that is sustained? How do I wake up every single day and with my soul filled with praise, which I know is, is something that I want, it's something that you want? Um, I think there's a couple things. One, we must develop a greater vision for who God is. If our view of God is based on his revelation through the scriptures, it will renew our mind and soul every day. We have to meditate on him, revealing himself in the scriptures to grasp that greater vision, to truly fill in the gaps with imagination, with wonder, with awe, and allow the spirit through the words of scripture to provide wisdom, knowledge, and, and answers. If we allow, if we don't use the words of scripture and we allow the world and culture and our own feelings to, to define who God is for us, he will be grossly undervalued and, um, and we'll just stop praising him. It, it, it won't be natural. It, it won't be frequent. And um, we won't be able to, to, to take the time to actually spend in awe of him and allowing him to speak to us. Hebrews 4.12 says the word is alive and active. And if we believe that, then we have to go to it for, for revelation and renewal of our whole person, our whole being. If we rely on God's revelation through the scripture, then, then praise will result. And, and it will be sustained. The second thing that will sustain us is his face. 
The psalmist uses the phrase multiple times, seek his face. This is a, this is a very sensory, this is sensory language, and it's very intentional. We, we have to, to develop a great vision first that's cognitive through the words of Scripture, and we have to meditate on those, but then we all desire this. We have to feel him, and by the grace of God, we will. We want to seek his face and sense that, that he's really there, that he's present and he's real to us. This is relevant, I think, in, in today's the last six, seven, eight months now in, in the midst of COVID. Um, we've moved to Zoom calls. We've moved to virtual meetings. Everything has been from afar. And as we've slowly started to move into um, engaging a little bit, um, what do we say when we actually encounter somebody that we love, that we've, we've missed a relationship? We, we say, this is so good. This is, this is right. This is, feels right. I'm so thankful that I've actually been able to get back face-to-face with you. And, and why is that? I mean, I, we, we ask that question. We know it. We feel it. But there's something about the human connection that is very much sensory. There's more interpretation. There's more emotion. There's a greater display of love and affection. So we need that face-to-face. We need that feeling. And so we seek his face. Psalms 27 says it, uh, says it well. Dave sa- David says to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Psalm 63, my soul thirsts for you and my flesh faints for you. Also, the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. If we praise as an act of worship, I believe we'll taste. God, through the Spirit, will fill our mouths with the greatest taste of joy possible. How do we seek his face and experience his presence? Um, well, it, it could start by, by us singing. And when we actually sing, do it with a little bit of passion. As if he's there staring at you face to face. We could read the Bible and respond through prayer. Meditate on it. Read one of the Psalms aloud. Let's start this way. Read one of the Psalms aloud over and over until it truly penetrates your heart. How do we know that God is, God's love is absolutely better than life? How does, how does that become real for us? We have to abide in his words. So memorize scripture and, and preach it to yourself day in and day out as you're driving down the road. Also, let me ask you this. This is another way that I've, I've felt. Have you, ever, have you ever been forgiven for something that you were terrified, absolutely terrified to confess to both God and to an individual? That you act, that you sinned against, it could be sexual sin, it could be prolonged life or a prolonged lie, uncontrolled anger towards your kids, an abandonment of a friend, misconduct of finances behind your spouse's back, whatever it is, and they just looked at you, and they said, "I get it. You're forgiven. I forgive you. I love you." It doesn't mean there's not going to be consequences. It doesn't mean there's not going to be hurt or mistrust, but I forgive you. They exercised abundant grace through forgiveness. And I, I just want you to think about it for a minute. How did that make you feel? For me, um, that's, <laughs> unfortunately, it's happened far too many times um, in the midst of that confession, and I received forgiveness from both God and from, from my wife or from a friend. I felt such love in those moments that I could almost taste it. 
the love of the Father and the children of the Father pushed me to my knees in praise and thankfulness. That emotion it was completely overwhelming, and it was, it was physically real. I felt the weight of that on my body. John Owen, a great theologian in the British Puritan movement, says this about the transition from the head to the heart. When you are meditating on the word of God, first comes the actual exercise of the mind, that cognitive uh, reality. Fix your thoughts and meditations on the spiritual truth. Then comes the inclination of all your affections of your heart towards these things, whereby they cleave to the spiritual truths and make an engagement unto them. And finally, sometimes comes a relish and a savor in which lies the sweetness and the satisfaction of the spiritual life. We taste, we then taste by experience that God is gracious and that, his, and that the love of Christ is better than wine. And if we settle for mere speculations and mental notions about Christ as doctrine, we shall find no transforming power or efficacy communicated unto us thereby. But when under the conduct of spiritual light, our affections do sometimes cling, cleave unto him with full purpose of heart, our minds fill up with thoughts and delight in him. Then virtue will proceed from him to purify us, increase our holiness, and sometimes fill us with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Build a greater vision and seek his face. And by God's grace, your praise will be sustained. The last thing, he's deserving. First thing, he is, um, he created us, he made us for praise. The second thing is he sustains our praise. And the last thing is he deserves it. This phrase, just when I say it, it, it pumps my heart, it frees me, it, it feeds my soul. If we consider who God is, who he says he is, then we will praise him. We will trust him and we will imitate him. And it will be an absolute delight to do so. That pattern of allowing our heart, mind, soul, strength to intentionally consider and meditate on who God is will, will embed praise into our life and the overflow will be imitation, will act, will begin to obey. Back to Psalms 145, the first two verses are a proclamation of praise. I will praise you and bless you forever and ever. But starting in verse 3, um, this psalm tells us more about why he is deserving. The psalmist spends a lot more time giving us reasons um, to praise him and, and gives us vocabulary to do so. The Lord's Prayer in Matthew tells us what to pray and, and very succinctly says, Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. Then this psalm, in Psalm 146, 7, 8, 9, and 50, and multiple other psalms, um, really flesh out that phrase of our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Here are, some, here are some direct examples from this passage alone. Verse 3, his greatness is unsearchable. Verse 4, declare his mighty acts. Verse 5, meditate on his wondrous works. Verse 7, sing aloud of his righteousness. Verse 11, 12, 13, speak of the glory of his kingdom. Verse 17, he is righteous in all his ways. Verse 19, he, he hears your cry. Verse 20, he destroys the wicked. These are just a, a couple things. 
All we have to do is meditate on those words and praise overflows. When we read this, we are acknowledging and praising God for who he is and what he has done. He is deserving, and it's certainly a commitment to do so. But that commitment becomes very, very easy as it becomes repetitive, and it becomes a part of our fabric. The great theologian Jonathan Collard, who's an elder here at at Soma, but seriously lives a life committed to the scriptures, said at one of the last elder meetings that we have to steward like adults, and we have to have faith like a child. Steward like adults and have faith like a child. When we were at the beach last week, I watched my child, um, who's almost five years old, Abe, um, he's my oldest, play in this little inlet um, that, would, that would fill up in, in, at high tide and fish and other sea life would come into this inlet and, and fishermen would go and, and try to catch crab or these little minnows or small fish, a lot of bait fish, and they had these buckets. And they would put the bait fish in the buckets um, as they caught them with nets and it attracted all the kids that were, were on the beach. And Abe was hovering over a bucket. Um, and, and two other kids his age were with him. And he grabbed a fish. He was able to grab one of the little, little minnows. And, and he said, he, looked, he grabbed it, looked up, and he said to, to the kids he, who he didn't know, he said, look, can you believe God made this? I didn't prompt him to say it. I was super thankful that he said it. Um, I think the kids were curious and, and didn't understand why I said it. But it was, it was a simple acknowledgement of faith, unashamed and declarative. A five-year-old boy was marveling at creation and praising God for it. He, he doesn't, my, my son doesn't understand um, all the intricacies and complexities of creation. But what he does know is that there was something deserving of praise someone of deserving of praise, and he calls out God. He calls out God who's much more deserving than the praise that I've been giving uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda for Hamilton over the last month. But clearly that, that moment filled my heart with pride for my son, but, but it, more importantly, it, it, uh, it stirred my affection for the Father. So let's speak with our mouth. Let's speak aloud with with our words, who he, hit, who he is, and then I promise you, our hearts will overflow with praise. And then once praise ensues, the next thing that will occur is imitation. Imitation naturally follows praise. For example, you praise the God of creation, and you will unleash creativity. You praise the God of justice, and you will long and fight for justice. You praise the God who's, who keeps his promises, then you will keep your promises. You praise the God who cares for the poor, the fatherless, the widow. You will praise, you will praise and care for the poor, the fatherless, and the widow. You praise the God who is patient with his children, and you will be patient with your children. You praise the God who laid down his life for you, and you will lay down your life for your spouse. He made us for praise. He sustains our praise. He deserves our praise. But living a, living a life of praise is, is tough. Um, as, as I've mentioned multiple times, it's been tough for me. And, and, it's, and I've been in a, a, a wearisome season of, of, of dry praise um, and absence of praise. But I, I often, and, and because of that, I, I, I get blinded by my insecurities, 
my desires, my temptations. I look to self. I often ask myself, where are you, God? Why do I feel distant? Why are my affections not stirred? Are you real? Are you an extension of my life and just not really that interested in my life? Are you actually curious of me? It feels too easy to say this um, because those are some very complex questions, but, it's, but this is true. Turn to the Psalms and sing a song of praise. I and you, we, we quickly, will quickly be reminded that he is so worthy, that he is there and that he loves you. Matter of fact, he is in all things. He is he's all around us. He's in us through the greatest gift of all, the Spirit. If that is true, uh, I, you, have the most powerful and magnificent friend and father with us all the time. And so praise be to God. If you're here and you're skeptical of all this and, and you're not sure of your belief in God, then, then praising him and going to the Psalms and, and, and thinking about praising him um, will certainly be hard. And we acknowledge that. But we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're listening. Um, and we know that the Psalms will be very, very good for you. All I ask is that you try. You read these Psalms. You meditate on them. You pray through them. You talk to God. You respond as a friend because that's exactly what he is. He is a friend and he desires a friendship. And then just sit. Sit in that. I would... I would uh, bet and maybe assume that, that some praise will overflow, that you'll desire to praise him. And maybe you'll just allow yourself to praise him and see what that does to your heart, see what that does to your affections and what questions it spurs. And for all of us, let's remember that we have a, a very, very clear reason uh, to praise, and it's because of Jesus Christ. If we stop and think about Jesus for a moment, from the very beginning of this Jesus, Jesus used the Psalms um, as his devotion, and he meditated on them. Jesus, this same Jesus that meditated on these scriptures to serve the Father in praise, he went to the cross. Jesus, being fully God, became man. He became like us, feeling every single emotion, enduring suffering. He was praying through the Psalms. He devoted his life to the Father, perfected the law, made salvation attainable for all of us. That Jesus went to the cross, he opened his arms, and they nailed him to the cross. They nailed each hand into that wood, and they left him in the most vulnerable position possible. He had the weight of hell coming down on his shoulders. And I love how Tim Keller writes about this moment. As Jesus is hanging there on the cross, he says this, Jesus looked down from the cross at us, abandoning him, denying him, and betraying him. And in the greatest act of love in human history, he stayed. He stayed right there on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are. They don't know what they're doing. He loved us, not because we were lovely to him, but to make us lovely. And we know that that same king rose three days later, conquering sin and death, leaving it right there in the grave, so that we can have a life, a life of sustained praise, of which he is worthy. So it's by his example that sustains 
that, that shows us that we were created and made for praise. It, sh- it provides the sustainability of praise. And it points us to, that, to the fact that he is worthy. Jesus himself is, is the example that crystallizes all of that. Praise be to God and may your hearts be stirred with affection this week as, and, and in the coming weeks as you look through, you pray through, and you meditate um, through these psalms of thanksgiving and lament and praise. I want to close with this. It's a hymn. It's, one of, it's an old hymn, one of my favorites. And as I read this, just let this be impressed. Let this, let this lead you to affection and praise. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life our redemption to win and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory great things he hath done. O perfect redemption, the purchase of blood, to every believer, the promise of God. The vilest offender who truly believes, that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Great things he hath taught us, great things he hath done. In great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son, but purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport, when Jesus we see. Let's pray. Father, May we just rest in your words that you you have taught us and that you reveal to us. Thank you for sustaining us. Thank you for um, showing us that you are absolutely worthy. May we feel you and may we we seek your face so that we can actually uh, continually encounter you in your physical presence. May we feel it. May it stir emotions and may it sustain us. We are so grateful for you, Lord. Jesus' name, amen.